All right. Woo. It is a good night. You guys are really hyped tonight. Oh my gosh. You guys are so hyped out. Now tell ya. Wow. 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 All right. Um, yeah. I just got done telling my son, I said, you know what? I'm not going to cry. So I really pray that I'm not going to cry. <laughs> um, that's wishful thinking. Um, anyway, my, my message uh, tonight is called Famous Last Words. And uh, I've thought about this a couple times. You know, there's always those things when someone ends something, there's this famous last word thing that happens, you know? Um, I know most pastors will, talk, pastors will talk about the fact, like, if they're done, if they're leaving a church, if they're leaving a ministry, what would you want to leave people with? What could you say? What would you want to say? What would you be your famous last words? Now, I'm not famous. Maybe even a little infamous. Don't know. I'd like to be a little dangerous. I don't know. Um, so anyway, my famous last words, I'm going to kind of go through with you tonight uh, what they are. But um, this is basically the last night that you're going to listen to me speak. And I've been thinking about this night and thinking about what it is. And, uh, you know, if you think about what a person's last words are, I think you would think that they should have some meaning, don't you think? Some last words. What are they going to say? You know, this is it. If this is all you have, what are you going to tell me? You know, and so I decided to do a little Google. You know, we all Google it, right, when we want to find something out. Uh, so I basically looked into the few last words of some people. And, man, I found some really profound last words, some just all out sad, some disturbing, very disturbing, <laughs> and some just plain old odd. And I want to read you just a few of them. Um, Humphrey Bogart, the actor, do you know who he is? Played in Casablanca. You know? Was it played again, Sam? Isn't that what it? Um, he basically, on his deathbed, said, I should never have switched from scotch to martinis. <laughs> Don't really understand what that means, but obviously he had a sense of humor, or he was really an alcoholic. We don't know. Um, P.T. Barnum, Barnum and Bailey, the entrepreneur, he actually was still very concerned at his very last part of his life. His last words in 1891 were to the people around him, how were the receipts today at Madison Square Garden? He wanted to know how much money came in. Joan Crawford, she's an old actress. Um, she just, yeah, she did. She, she died. She was really a mean woman. She was very abusive to her kids and uh, not really nice at all. But she actually cussed at the end to her housekeeper. Her ho housekeeper actually started to pray for her and started to pray out loud when she knew she was dying. And she actually said, D-A-M-N it. <laughs> Don't you dare ask God to help me now. Interesting, isn't it, to think that somebody would get to that point right when they're deathbed and they would say, don't you dare ask God to help me now. Then Charlie Chaplin, do you guys know who Charlie Chaplin is? He was a believer, actually. He had, he had faith in God. A uh, priest was actually with him at his bedside, and uh, the priest said, may the Lord have mercy on your soul, and Chaplin said, why not? After all, it does belong to him. So at least that's a good one to die, you know? You guys all know who Beethoven is? I know you guys who play instruments should. 
But there's actually two things that um, people have said about him. They said one of them said basically that there's a comedy show when it's over. They said that he said that. But um, the secretary of Beethoven actually claimed and wrote down that he said, pity, pity, it's much too late. So whatever that meant. John Barrymore was an actor in the old times in 1942. He said, die, I should say not, dear fellow. No Barrymore would allow such a conventional thing to happen to him. So pretty prideful to think that you think you can't die. I don't know. Oscar Wilde, who was a writer, said, either that wallpaper goes or I do. I think he did. Not the wallpaper. Um, Karl Marx had another housekeeper. These housekeepers, these helpers, you know. Um, Basically, he told his housekeeper who urged him to tell uh, his last words to her so she could write him down for posterity. He said, go on, get out of here. Those last words are for fools who've never said enough in their life. So he wouldn't even give any last words. That was his thing. So, you know, you think about people's last words. It should have some significance. They should have something. It should have a meaning. It should have really this weight about it. You know, I think that they're kind of like a window to a soul of somebody. You know, what somebody says at the very end kind of says a lot. I mean, someone like Joan Crawford, basically to say, don't ask for God, and we can see that she probably wasn't a person who really believed in God, wasn't faithful. Charlie Chaplin, obviously, his last word shows that he really was. Other people, we can see their motives. Probably was the fact of of P.T. Barnum was probably has always been more interested in money more than he has been his faith and maybe even the people around him. And you can see that's pretty much a window in his soul. He was, that's what he was most concerned with at that time. And uh, I think it is kind of like a measure that you can kind of use to evaluate a person's life when it gets towards the end. Now, those last words were basically spoken right before death. Now, I'm leaving, hoping I'm not leaving that way. We don't know. It could be. I might drop dead. Who knows? Things happen. <laughs> if I go, I'm going to a good place. No big deal. Um, but the thing is, there are those famous last words that we kind of find interesting because they kind of show us a snapshot in time. Not necessarily a deathbed last words, but something that maybe um, was a big statement that maybe people didn't realize it at the time until later. Like in the case of Thomas Watson, the chairman of IBM. In 1943, he was quoted as saying, I think there's probably a world market for maybe five computers. He's a little off, wasn't he? Or an internal memo at Western Union in 1876 that said, this telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communications. This device is inherently no value to us at all. <laughs> Probably not real smart. Or how about these guys? You know these guys for the rest of their lives had to have been just hitting themselves in the head. Decca Recording Company rejected the Beatles in 1962 and said, we don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. You know, bad last words. And this is the one that really got me because I know I have some Apple fans out there, Steve Jobs fans and uh, Mac fans and all this. So Apple computer founder Steve Jobs, when he attempted to get Atari and HP interested in his personal computer, he says, his quote is, he went to Atari and he said, hey, we've got this amazing thing, even built with some of your parts. What do you think about funding us? Or even yet, we'll give it to you. Um, we just want to see if you would help us out and uh, pay for our salary. We'll come work for you. And they said, nah, don't think so. So we went to HP and said to them, hey, we don't need you. They basically said the same thing, and they said, hey, we don't need you. You haven't even finished college yet. We don't really want you. They're kicking themselves in the behind, I'll tell you. 
Steve Jobs is a powerful man. I mean, my goodness. I mean, that was a big mistake not to take on Steve Jobs and uh, everything that Apple stood for. You know, those things seem ridiculous today, don't they, when you look back? Now you're thinking, well, that was really dumb. But sometimes people just can't really seem to look ahead in the distance, you know, and see a vision that's offered to them. They really have a hard time with that. They can't see past really a circumstance, a, a time and right now. They can't see anything more. And, you know, I really hope that this is something that doesn't happen to me, and I really hope it's something that doesn't happen to you, that somehow you can look back in your life and see something and think, you know, if I only would have done this, or if I only would have done that, you know, or something was offered to you and you didn't take it. You know, really look back on it with some regrets. Last week I spoke to you a little bit about my call, my basically my ser- to, to serve God, to do the things for God. And if you've been here any time in the last seven years... <laughs> You've heard it. You know, the thing is what's really super interesting, and this is why I cried today, because I kind of had this moment where I stopped and thought about, you know what, this is exactly, this week is the week exactly seven years ago that I did my first message, and I'm doing my last message. That's pretty amazing. So I thought, you know, isn't it how interesting how God does things, you know, how you notice those things? And I remember the first day coming up here and doing this job, and really not knowing what to expect, you know? And uh, you never would have thought this is where it would have been seven years later. I mean, God has an interesting way about him and what he does for us. But you've heard my uh, testimony. You've heard the fact that I told you even last week that, you know what, basically my life wasn't worth much. On the outside looking at it, you probably wouldn't have thought it was worth much. But like I told you, God thought it was. You know, God has a different plan for each one of us. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we think we're inferior. We're not good enough. We're not this. We're not that. But the thing is, that's not how God is. You know, I never get tired of telling my testimony. And I think that's a good thing because God tells us. What does he say? Always be ready to give an account what God has done for you because that's a lot of times the only thing that you can say. Sometimes we can't pull up scripture references. Sometimes we can't pull up all these really deep words. But all we can say is, you know what, God changed me. God did something different for me, and it really made all the difference in my life. And I think that's all God really wants us to say sometimes, is just to show a real person changed, and that's the testimony. You know, how much do we all like visual aids? I mean, someone can tell you a story, but don't you love to watch the movie? I mean, you know, someone tells you, but you, you know, even in a book, I mean, you're kind of like, you, you imagine, you envision. We have this vision thing. We love to pick up a picture and think about it. You know, but we're supposed to be able to give an account. We're supposed to give an idea of really how much our lives have changed. You know, hopefully, all the times I've told you this, I'm sure there's some of you that have been here forever. Sometimes you've been like, okay, we know, Deb. We know. But you know what the thing is with youth ministry? Is it's always changing. There's always a new person And that's why we can never get tired of saying the same things. It might be old hat to you, but the one person could be the one time that they've ever walked in and it might be the one thing that's supposed to be said. So that's why we pray beforehand is really that God would just tell us what it is to say because he knows people's hearts way better than we do. So a lot of times, you know, with what the world would think somebody's worth compared to what other people would think can be a little different. A lot of times the world won't recognize you for really what you're worth. They might think that you're really worth nothing. And the people that you come into contact with on a daily daily basis, your teachers, your friends, even your most 
trusted loved ones, even the people who love you the most, sometimes might not give you a lot back. They might not think you're worth much, or they might not show you that you're worth much. The thing is, you know what? Just understand that God always does. God always sees us in the way that he desires, and he looks at you and he sees so much worth, way more than we could ever realize. You know, a lot of times I think it might be surprising. You know, he mentioned, uh, Pastor John mentioned Jeannie Mayo. Well, Jeannie Mayo is right now, she is about 56. Thanks, Jared. Um, I'm 44. Hello. Um, Don't add on. You never tell, you know, you always, I'm going to give you a little word of advice because that's what I'm doing, my final last words. Always, if a woman asks you age, you always go 25. (laughs) 25. No, I don't have any problem with my age, really. I seriously don't. I just figure I'm just getting wiser and wiser as I go. Just going to be so wise pretty soon. They want to do with me. Um, but the thing is, you know, a lot of times the world's not going to recognize how um, we're worth much. And I think a lot of times the, the world might have been surprised that God used a woman really my age to teach young people. And uh, where the world might have been surprised, you know, God wasn't. God wasn't surprised. Because he saw it all from start to finish. And he looks at each one of us. We have to understand that God doesn't look at you right now in the here and now. God looks at your life and he sees in the end. He sees you from start to finish. He doesn't see you only right here, right now. Sometimes we think, oh, he doesn't like me because I'm doing this. He sees you in a whole different way than that. So with me, he looked at me and he saw me from start to finish. He knew what I was going to do and he thought, yes, that's the person. Use her. So the thing is, you know, when I look at my life sometimes with the things that went on, and I've, I've told you before, I've had an extremely tough childhood. You know, there was a lot of abuse, a lot of things that went on with my dad with being alcoholic and my mom dying real young. But, you know, the thing is that's what's so great is God used every bit of that tough time and he used it all for preparation for the future to teach young people, to give me a sensitivity, really to give a love and a compassion, I think, that really couldn't be faked. It had to have been real. And I think that's what he, why he used me. You know, basically, we have a God who doesn't see us in our age. You know, he definitely doesn't see us in our color. He doesn't see us in what we wear, what we don't wear. He doesn't see us in male or female. That's not how he doesn't, he doesn't see us that way. He just sees a heart, really, and whether or not it beats for him, whether or not you really love him, whether or not you desire to have him in your life. That's what it's all about. He looks at a heart, he sees if it's burdened, to really answer the people around him, you know, around us. That if there's something that they're hungry for, if we're willing to just go off and help and, and work out and do something for them. And, and if we're crying out to God, that's what he's really concerned about. You know, when he sees that you're hungry to grow in your faith and, you know, he, he sees that you want to reach others for faith, he's not going to waste it. I don't know, it doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what you've done. If he sees hunger in you, he is going to use you like you'll never imagine. I mean, it's just amazing how God does stuff. He never wastes anything. That's one thing I realized with God is, you know, you talk about the best recycling program. I'm going to tell you, he has it. God has the best recycling program there is because he takes such worthless throwaways in society and he uses them just amazing ways. God is so good. You know, I've been thinking back over these last seven years, thinking about the fact that, you know, about seven years ago, there literally was, I'm not kidding, Eight to ten people here. The room, it ended right about, I think it was right about here, the first one. Matter of fact, we keep a picture, excuse me, right here. This is what it looked like. It says, know your roots. (laughs) 
So you guys always know where you come from. You know, the thing is, God saw that there was eight to ten people. He saw a room with basically white walls, drop ceiling, you know, nothing really great. And uh, so far, the room has been remodeled twice. And you know what? We used to do worship. Russell ran it for years. What was his name, Russ? Melvin was the overhead projector that we did our worship by all the time. It had a name. Russell worked it faithfully every single week. We had a stereo to do worship by. And you know what's really amazing about that? Is it didn't matter to God. It didn't matter to God one bit if we were in a little white room with 8 to 10 people in a stereo. It didn't matter. Now, the room is remodeled. We have a sound board. We have a sound room. We have chairs. Do you guys know how I feel about my chairs? I worked hard for those chairs. We worked hard. We raised money forever for those chairs. Five grand. When I see you put your feet up on them, I'm never happy because I know how long it took us. It took forever. $5,000 to buy those chairs. We have an eliminator. If you guys are ever in the church when no one else is around, John can kick that up for you and really show you what it does because we can't do it when everybody else is here because it doesn't go over well. But I want you to know what we have now, all these chairs, the sound room, the soundboard, everything, the eliminator. You know what? You know something? still doesn't matter. It still doesn't matter to God because he doesn't see us on the outside, these vision things. It's not what he's seeing. It doesn't matter if you're in a small little room and there's eight to ten people or if there's a huge room with bright green walls and action going on. He sees whether or not you have a heart that really desires to be by him. That's what he sees. It really has nothing to do with our image on who we are. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing. Like I said, he looks at us on what we are on the inside. He never noticed what this place looked like. He still doesn't care what it looks like now. He's not impressed by a building. He's not impressed by a room. He's impressed with people who love him and love other people too. That's what he's impressed with. The reason why CYM still exists through all that time, way before I took it, way before I started running it, before Jennifer Ruggiero did it, before Rhonda was running it, before all these people, there was always a remnant of people who wanted to do something great with it. That's just how God's word, word works. He always talks about it. He says that there's a small remnant of people that he will hold back, he'll use, and he's going to use something great with them. And that's exactly what he's going to do. That hasn't changed. Whereas there's a small group of people who are going to do something that hasn't changed. People move on, but there's still going to be a small group, a small remnant of people who are going to still be here holding on and hoping that God's going to do something amazing for CYM. God's going to do something great for CYM. It doesn't matter. It's just that there's some people that are hungry. That's what he wants. You know, I kind of wish I would have kept every single message that I preached. <laughs> Maybe it was good that I didn't. I don't know, because I kind of look back at the ones that I did have, the earliest one. And the earliest one I taught and that I kept was from January 19, 2005, so four and a half years ago. The other ones I probably got done and threw, threw them away. Probably didn't really think it was... And I'm going to tell you, the ones that I kept probably could have been thrown away. And probably, they may be in the future, I don't know. But I think they're kind of like a history thing for me, you know. But the title, when I look back, it says it was the meaning of life. 
That's what I put down. The title was The Meaning of Life. And my point in the message was basically that the meaning of life is Jesus. It's just faith. And you know, that message still hasn't changed. And it's not going to change. It doesn't change. You know, Jesus talks about, he says he's the same yesterday, today. You know, he's, he's never, ever is going to change. He's the one constant in your life. Your life can fall apart. It can go up and down. It can be all over. You're going to be a young person. You're going to be a teenager. You're going to be a middle age. You're going to be, and you know what? He never changes. Never changes. You know, there's things that change all the time. You know, in our society, we see that there's always something changing. Styles. Always changing, aren't they? You know, there's always those people who have to wear the right cool thing. You know, what's in vogue? What looks good? What makes me look hot? You know, that's what it's all about. What's politically correct? People love to be politically correct. But you know what about God? It's just truth that it's truth that it's truth. It's Jesus, and that's all, and it's truth, and that's what he wants you to do. It doesn't come and go with style. Jesus is never going to go out of style. And when he does, something happens like that, you can just bet and believe that it's over. Because he just wants people to understand what he's done for you. You know, there's those things that I was thinking about, you know, those famous last words. If you guys know me, and you do, um, there are some of those things that I've always really took to heart. And it probably comes from the idea that I really do have a mom attitude with you guys. You know, it's, hopefully you always know, I never ever thought I was cool. I never did. I want you to know, I never went home and thought, wow, I really was cool today. <laughs> never. I went home most of the time and thought, what was that? Because I'll dance, I'll be crazy, I'm be mental. And uh, I do the stuff like that, but you know, there's times, I want you to know, I never went home and thought I was ever cool. Most of the time I went home and thought I was embarrassed. Um, most of the time for what I've done. But there's those things that I really would like to say as a, as a mom. You know, whereas John's going to come in, he's going to be your youth pastor. I'm going to leave as your youth pastor. But as a mom, some final words. What I would tell my own children if I could before, you know, they took off and left. Whereas, you know, I might be leaving. There are some final things I really want to drive home. Some of my earliest messages, I talked about them. You're going to think, why is she talking about these things? Of all the deep things that she could be talking about. God's word is huge. Go back and listen to our podcast. You'll hear them all. <laughs> we have deep podcasts you can listen. If you're looking for depth, you can go back. They're there. But tonight's going to be pretty simple. I want you to know, number one, the thing I want you to think about, manners matter. Manners matter. Okay? That's one of those things that I am adamant about. You know what? I just definitely think there's something wrong in society People should have manners. It's one of those things that I did a long time ago. I did used to do a thing called uh, Manner Moments. And we would come up here and we would talk about manners. And we would talk about the things that you really need to do as uh, young people and how you should act. You know, I'm going to tell you, how you come across to people makes all the difference in the world. It really, really does. You cannot go back and make a first impression. You can't. The person you come into and you be right from the start, people will hold you as that. That's the best way to think about is that how you come across when you very first meet somebody. When you're listening to somebody, you guys are great. I've told Pastor John, I said, you know, I'm going to tell you, you are coming into a group of people who are great because you guys have been so respectful to me for years. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so respectful. You know, we've had some come in and most of them leave. 
But for the most part, most of the people that have been here have been very, very kind and respectful to me. And I'm going to tell you, when someone's speaking, I don't care what you think. Listen to them. At least give them eye contact. Make it look as though you're paying attention. Even if you don't want to listen, don't be outwardly rude. There is nothing worse as a, as a speaker to look out and see people not paying attention. It's the most distracting thing ever. You know, you have to show people respect when they speak to you. You don't have to do everything it is that they say. You may not agree with them. You don't have to take it home and follow every letter to the T. But you know what? You can be quietly disagreeable. You can just disagree quietly. You don't have to be like, I don't believe that. I don't agree with you. Sometimes, you know what? Everybody doesn't need to share their opinion. That's another thing I've said many times. I don't know if I want to repeat exactly what I used to tell you guys. <laughs> okay, I used to say opinions are like buttholes. Everyone has them, but no one wants to hear it, you know? Okay? That's what I used to say. So you know what? You can be quietly disagreeable. Just don't be rude. It's okay. But have manners. The other thing, this is another big one that I used to teach all the time. You guys know how I feel about flattery, right? Yeah, boo. Okay. Flattering people is a sin. It's a sin. Our world is messed up. Now the world sits there and tells you that flattery isn't a good thing. You know, when someone tells someone, it's like, oh, you look good today, they're like, I'm so flattered. Do you understand in the Bible there's not one good representation of flattery as being a good thing? Flattery in God's word is defined as insincere praise. Insincere or excessive praise. So when we sit there and say that we're flattered by something, what we're actually doing is we're telling that person that, well, you're lying. That isn't even a real true statement, what you're saying to me. So it's really been completely contorted what the word means. If I could change one thing in this world, I would change what flattery means because I think it's such against God and that we sit there and accept it. Even as Christians today, we sit there and say that we're flattered by something. Flattery is a sin in God's eyes. He doesn't like it. I don't care if the definition has changed. I think there's a couple big things in God's word that we have changed in society, but yet God still wants us to go back old school and get right. Flattery. The other thing I'm going to tell you is another word, pride. We use pride all the time. We say, well, I'm proud of that. You know what? I did a word search on the Bible with proud. Pride. I don't ever see a good representation of pride or proud. Most of the time it's not good. But yet we use it as I'm proud of you guys. You know, when God's word says that pride is, and proud is not such a great thing. But those are those two little words that really kind of get under my nerves. I hope you guys understand that, I mean, ban flattery when someone says it. I know for years people would say, you know, someone's like, I'm flattered. It's like, do you know what that word means? You guys don't even understand what that word means. They would always tell them. And I always liked that part of it, that you guys got that. The other thing. Do me a favor. Don't like people because they can do something for you. Don't prefer people over other people. No one's better than another person in God's eyes. You know what? Some people you may connect with. You may actually like physically be able to talk to them better. But you know what? Don't prefer them. Don't treat them with more respect and kindness than another person next to you. Be kind. One thing I've loved about CYM, we've always said this was a safe zone. And I would always say to you guys, guys, if you can come into a church, if you can't be treated kind here, if you can't show love and respect in God's house, then where can you? None of us should be treating each other badly. I mean, there, you should never, if someone says something, you should never laugh behind their backs and make fun of them. You shouldn't make anybody feel bad. 
It shouldn't be the way it is. And I think that's what's happening in a lot of churches even, is there's a lot of this, you know, backbiting and, and saying things about people behind their back all the time and preferring people over. It's not what God intended. Not at all. Treat everyone with the same kindness and respect as you would want to be treated. You know, how you treat a person that can't possibly do one thing for you says a lot about who you are. A lot. If this person that you treat with respect can't do one thing for you, can't pay for your dinner, can't give you a position later, can't do anything for you, God will honor that. But if you're doing something because you want someone to get something back, you know, I'm going to do this thing because, you know, someday, maybe, you know what, God says, that's all you're getting. He says, do things because you love me. Do things because you love others. Let that be your motivation. The other thing, I know, I know without a doubt, just knowing the people who come in and out of CYM and the people who are here tonight and even the people who've just walked in, I want you to understand that you may have a great call of ministry in your life someday. You may have these amazing things that God has you to do. But I want to leave you with one thing, and that is ministry is a call and a love. It is not a job. It is not. I'm going to tell you, I've never looked at this position as a job. I knew God gave it to me and gave it to me with a great responsibility to raise up people who showed respect, kindness, love for others. And I really took it as that. You know, it is always prophesied over CYM that there was going to be world changers out of this. I believe that with all my heart. I know that there was some that already have left and have going to do that, and I'm not sure that there's people who just walked in tonight and haven't even walked in yet that God has something great for them, that they're going to be world changers. I believe that with all my heart. You know what? It definitely, you need to understand that basically what God just desires is that you're faithful, that you're going to show that you have love for him. You know, I'm going to tell you, I don't care what people say, but you know what? God, he doesn't really care beans for how far you get in your life if it's just to get a position or status. Not a bit. He'd rather see you do nothing or everything with no pay than it is to get a position and get money. That's not what he says to worry about. He says, serve me. You go back and look at the disciples. How much, how well were they paid? Not. But they still did it, didn't they? Because they loved Jesus with all of their hearts. Paul, I mean, we talk about one of the things that he went through. He's talking about being stoned, shipwrecked three times, you know, beat with rods you know, jailed, all these different things. I mean, my goodness. If he was looking for position, he got it. <laughs> it was a tough one. He was in between a rock and a hard place, wasn't he? He was really tough. And, you know, I want you to understand that if you get a call from God, I really ask that you really sincerely seek God and see what he wants you to do. Even if it has nothing to do with pay, do it. Don't pick a position because of pay. Pick it because God has given something to you burdened you to do something for him. That's what you need to do. Finally, let me say that I have always, always, this is a little sore spot. Now you're going to hear my true heart. Finally, let me say that I've always been your youth pastor. Way before I ever got my certificate. Always. Because it was given to me by God. I want you to know that. A pastor, by definition, is called a spiritual overseer. And you know what? For seven years, I have worked, bled CYM. I can tell you, 
I have given everything I can to this ministry. I really have. Because I love it, because God gave it to me. And you know what? I took it serious. But you know what? I think I was a pastor for seven years. I may now have just got a certificate. But you know what? I have always been your pastor at that time. You know, I may now officially be a pastor, but I want you to know it really doesn't mean anything more in God's eyes than when I was being called your youth, whatever. Because remember many times they would call me your, I'm like, you're like, should we call you Deb? Should we call you? And I'm like, just call me Deb. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I said, just call me youth, whatever. I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't really matter. But you know what? I want you to know, pastor, youth, whatever, friend, mom, inspirer. These are the things that were written on the MySpace. I didn't write it. I'm a little bit more humble than that. Um, encourager, counselor, or leader. You know what? I've enjoyed every time I've gotten to talk to you guys personally. I really have. When you've called me up and said you were having a hard time with something, I love to speak to you. I love to be able to help you. I really have always enjoyed every aspect of what this has been. There's times it's been very exhausting. But you know what? I truly can tell you with all my heart, it's never been fake. I really, truly would not have told you I loved you if I didn't love you. I meant it with all my heart. I really have. I want to read to you real quick, and let me end with a reading of what CYM has been in our description on our MySpace. I didn't write it. Shelby wrote it. And uh, I went back and reread it. The last couple weeks I've been kind of rereading, and I thought, boy, this vision is so much really what we've stood behind. I mean, it really, truly is. It has said and spoken everything that we have tried to do. It says here, Chosen Youth Ministries is a community of students centered around Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, we have preached Jesus every time you've come in here. I can tell you I have never. We may play games, but I tell you it's always been a message. And it's always been to get you to, be, to learn. I see no point in putting on a show. If you don't walk away with getting something of God's word, then you know what? You're missing out. You're missing out. And I have to what, stand, do what, guys? Stand before God and answer him because I had the uh, opportunity to teach. And God's word says, don't be excited to teach because you know what? You're going to be judged harsher. You're going to be judged even harsher than the person who doesn't. But it goes on. It says, our vision is to start a revolution. We are here to tell our generation that there is hope. And there is hope. There's hope for the people that you're coming into contact with on a daily basis. You know what? You've got a summer. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Get here. Pray for your friends. Pray for the people that you're going to be in school with next year. Pray for the ones that you just got out of school with. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your country. Pray for these things. Because there is hope, but it hinges on whether or not you're going to really pray for it. goes on to say, each of us was created for a purpose, and there is a specific plan for each of our lives. No matter what mistakes we've made or what people have treated us like, we are still valuable and very special. We are. Each one of us. It doesn't matter what you come out of. Me, was I was a mess. Was a mess. Still would be. Still would be every day if it wasn't for the fact that God still helps me. The last couple of days I've had to ask God so many times, you know, it doesn't matter how close you get to God. It doesn't matter if you get your degree. It doesn't matter nothing. You still have to ask God every day, God, help me get through this day sometimes because sometimes we just struggle. But that's the true walk of Christianity. It's not this... Try to attain this position and you're, now you're perfected. We're never going to be perfected until the day we die. 
Every day is a struggle. Every day is a walk. So we can be forgiven of everything and we can forgive others. That's the whole message, isn't it? goes on to say people who accept Christ are not renewed, reformed, or re-educated. They are new people. The old life is gone and a new one has come. They are twice born. Born again. I just told you about that. Born from above. You have to have a spiritual birth. That's what it's about. It's not just to sit there and say, I believe. I've told you many, many times, people miss heaven by this much. You can't just say it through your mouth. You've got to believe it in your heart. You've got to believe it here. People say many, many things, but what does it say in the end times? It says people are going to say, God, I did this, I did that, I did this for you. And he says, away from me, I never knew you. So you have to belong and believe here. That's where it has to be. We also said CYM is not a youth group. In fact, we hate that term almost as much as we hate the term religious. We never put on a show every week and entertain you so that we can push our agenda on you. We're not ashamed of our purpose, and we never try to hide it. I've told you that many, many times. If you want to come in, you're here for a club, go join chess club, go join football, go join something, because when you come in here, you're going to hear about Jesus Christ. And that's it. It says we're a student-fueled revolution, and this revolution consumes our whole lives. You will encounter some pretty hardcore people who really live what they believe, and they may be offensive to some people. There have been some people who have come in, and they've been very offended because we've been pretty bold about what we believe. It says here at CYM, you will always hear the truth, and it will probably be contrary to what the society teaches. It's true. The world tells you a lot of stuff that's not true. Not true. You read God's word, you realize this is not matching up you know, to what the world tells you is okay. God's word says, no, that's not okay. So you're going to be like realizing that these things are going to butt heads. But God's word says what? Do not conform to this world. Seek out what Jesus wants. Seek out what God wants. It goes on to say we're not apologizing. Shelby wrote this part. Our youth pastor Deb always says there are two exits. That may seem harsh, but our message remains. We don't ask that anyone believe what we believe. We just want you to investigate the teachings of Christ for yourself and formulate your own beliefs. We encourage questions and don't look down upon people with doubts because you know what? Every single one of us at some point has them. I did. <laughs> I did. 16 years ago, I got saved. And you know what I'm going to tell you? I thought these people were the craziest bunch of people I've ever seen in my life. I thought they were all loony. I'm like, look at these people. They're they're really radical, oh my gosh. And then you know what? Before long, God does something, and you're like, now I'm one. <laughs> God's changed me. Goes on to say, CYM is a continually evolving community. Our faith shifts and grows every single month. As students enter and exit, we experience new dynamics, and we really appreciate those changes. I want you to understand, right now, that's what's definitely taking place. We got a whole group coming in that's new. We got a whole group that's going out and steadfast. We also have a different leader with Pastor John going to teach and be your pastor. But you know what's so great is it can still make it because there is this constant change, but God can do such great things from it. He really can. It also says we value every student that is a part of the CYM community, and we are here to support anyone that joins this revolution. Now, that's a pretty hardcore word, revolution, but... That's the way we've always looked at it. You know, basically, we are going to change. We're all going to grow. 
We're all going to grow with a different vision. Hopefully this one here in CYM can be the same. People sometimes, you know, there is that statement, Shelby has mentioned it many times in Cameron, just basically, you know, uh, here for a moment, scattered for a lifetime. Sometimes, you know, we're here for a short time together. You've got to make the most of it. Because in the future, you know what? What happens is we all do go off and we do our things. There's people I was in school with that I would never, ever, you know, I'm never going to not spend time with these people. They're my best friends. You know what? There's some I haven't seen for 15 years. And they were great friends. But that's how life is, especially in ministry. You're going to find in ministry, if you go into that call, that you're going to see that there are certain things like that that take place, that you're going to have these great close friendships, and then God's going to just kind of move things. And it's going to be painful, and it's going to be hard. And today was a very hard day for me. About 3 o'clock, major breakdown. Major breakdown. Called up my daughter, and I said, yeah, I just need you to, I just need to pray for me. Sent like three or four... <laughs> text to other people. I'm like, I really need to pray for me because I just need to get through right now where I'm at because it was a tough moment for me. You know, I love CYM. I really do. I mean, this is going to be extremely difficult, but like I said last week, I think that God must have something really great because it's something different he wants me to do now. Hopefully, the one truest, biggest thing that all of you are going to leave for me being your leader these past seven years, is that I truly, with all my heart, love Jesus Christ. I really hope there's nobody out there that could even remotely doubt that. I hope nobody could look at me and think that I was ever fake or phony because I, if I ever came across that way, I didn't mean to be because, believe me, if it not for Jesus, I know without a doubt I would have already been dead. I don't think I would have ever made it this far. I'm going to tell you if you're hurting, if you're struggling, if you're dealing with something, go to Jesus. He will help you. All the rest of the gods that they offer, worthless. He's the right one. Because I'm going to tell you, he does amazing things. He makes us, like I said, not just transformed. I mean, everything is just completely made new, born again, completely different. And, you know, it's just amazing what he can, he can accomplish in our lives. You know, I really want to end with... Um, the fact that I know that there have been times when I didn't do all that God wanted me to do. I think all of us could probably be honest and say that. You know, there's probably some things that you were asked to do and you didn't do them. You know, I, I really think that there was probably times when I was just a little bit too human and uh, I probably acted poorly. I'm sure there was times that you walked away and you were probably a little bit frustrated with me, probably angry with me, probably didn't like me, and that's okay. But I want you to know that I did everything with the best possible intention. I may not have done it right. I may not have done it perfect. But I actually really did have your best intention at heart all the time. I want to end with a scripture. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and uh, the New Living Translation. It's the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of the God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. See, that's my life. I say it all the time. That is my, if you could have a scripture and put it over someone's life, I look at that and think that's me. Beauty for ashes. 
a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. That's what he wants for each one of us. He wants us to be so solidly attached to him that we're like great oaks that you can't move. You can't move. The world's going to throw you a lot of stuff, but you're going to be like so planted solidly, solidly that you're not even going to fall victim to anything that this world offers you. You're going to be solid in your faith. You know, there's one statement that I've always used in the last seven years too. Jeremiah Lessman used to always laugh because I'd always say it. When we didn't really know what to do sometimes, we'd say, hey, tonight we're going to do things a little different. I want you to know that from now on, things are going to be different. It's going to be hard for me. For you, you know what? Things change. I think you guys are used to the flow probably a little bit more so than even me. You know what? You go into a different school school class and different people, and you know life is changing at a fast pace for you guys. You're probably a little bit better at it than me. Probably be a little harder for me to have this change. But life is going to be a little different for all of us. I kind of want to end with one final word. Do you remember a long time ago, I'd always tell you about Elvis. I said Elvis would always say to people all the time, he'd tell everybody that he came in contact with that he was hoping that they would really come to know Jesus Christ, but yet he would never do it himself. He'd always think that that was the answer for everyone else, but he didn't really want to submit and do that for him. So I kind of wanted to thought, well, I'll end with Elvis. His final last words. Uh, Seven years of CYM. I'm going to tell you, it was <laughs> best of times, it was the worst of times. It was tiring, it was exhausting, but it was exhilarating. I would come here, I'd walk away, be exhausted, and I'd also walk away and feel like that was the youngest I've been in weeks. It was the best. We'd put on a hose of plutes, we'd put on these events, and it was like, wow, that was just the best. We could hardly move, but it was great. Every message that I preached, every message that I taught, Every time we spend time together, it was so worth it. So my final words of Elvis, seven years of CYM, he basically spoke this, and I thought, well, I'll end it with this way. I hope I haven't bored you. That's how he ended it. So I hope I haven't bored you in seven years. Some of you haven't been there that long. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for Pastor John. And uh, if you could just kind of bow your heads and pray along with me, it'd be great, okay? Well, Lord, we're so thankful, Father, for the gifts you give us. And I can't thank you enough. I can't possibly thank you enough. I mean, what a gift. Of, to be given this gift for seven years is just amazing. And every opportunity I ever had to speak into some of these people's lives, I just am so thankful, Father, I had that opportunity. And I know, Lord, you're not done with me yet. I know you've got other things and, uh, Lord, I know that you're going to do amazing things in CYM. I know you're going to continue, Lord, with the remnant of people that's here. You're going to just birth in them this amazing vision. Lord, I just pray that you bless each person that comes. Bless CYM and help them, Lord, to stay faithful to your word. I pray that I never, ever, ever have to look back and do what Paul did. You go back and say, you know, what happened? What happened don't ever fall victim. I just pray, Father, that you guard these people. Lord, just guard them and protect them. Help them, Lord, to stay faithful to your word and everything that was ever spoken to them. Lord, I just pray that it just goes down deep into their heart and plants so solidly, Lord, and it grows into this great oak. 
God, I also pray that you would just bless Pastor John. I just pray, Father, that you would just help him in all he does. Everything that he puts his, his hands and his mind to, Lord, that you'd bless him. Lord, I just pray for each person that comes in and out of here, Lord, that they would show respect and kindness and would look at him as the next person, the next pastor that's going to help them along their way. And God, I am so thankful for everything that you're going to do for this ministry, for this church, for the people that are here. And Lord, for each one of us as we go separate ways, I just pray, Jesus, that you would just bless everything, Lord God, because we're doing it to be faithful to you. We just thank you for everything that you're going to do in our lives, Lord, and we ask all this in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.